No, I thought I'd enjoy it today, at least for one day, and then uh, I may wear it every week for a year, <laughs> just, just for fun. <laughs> oh, no, good stuff. Um, hey, we're, we're in, right? Second week in. Uh, anybody surprised about how emotional last week was just in terms of starting new somewhere and missing old and feeling that new memories, and this is great, and wow, I'm missing there and what God did. I don't know about you, but I felt that. It was kind of weird. I was like, why am I not more amped up? And it's just that tug of war of uh, starting someplace new and starting new memories. And uh, God's here. Last week was an awesome Sunday. Um, Obviously, God showed up in some great ways, and uh, we're just going to keep seeing him move and minister and start new ministries here. So we do know there's a lot, as Sean said, a lot of things that we're trying to work the kinks out of. Uh, One of them is this screen does move. And uh, if you get motion sickness, it's because the air vents, which who would know, blow on this thing. So uh, we've got to go ahead and put some kind of thing that'll close off the vents there. But there's all kinds of things like that. A new building, getting used to it. Um, but the stories of what God does, that, that's really what we're about. And even yesterday, some of the guys were just sharing uh, just their stories of, of what God has done in their lives. And uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing to hear transformational stories and, and to know there, there really isn't anything on earth that can change the heart of someone. No one can change the heart. There's no institution out there. There is no man. There is no woman that can change somebody's heart. Only God can do that. And to hear the stories yesterday and to know that that's really our desire, our prayer as we move as a church is to see God move because when he moves, uh, hearts melt and uh, transformation happens and life happens. And if you're visiting with us, we're we're really glad you're here. Um, Coming into a new place can be awkward and difficult. You don't know how things are going to happen and go. We're we're really glad you're here this morning. And uh, we've saved some time for some more worship at the back end of the service uh, just to respond out of this message. And for the month of May, we're going through just the vision of our church, the direction and purpose of our church. And last week we talked about the picture. If you could imagine the picture of what it would look like, it's Ezekiel 47 and this picture of water coming up out of the temple, filling the temple, flowing out of the temple into the desert and going into the Dead Sea and transforming everything and bringing life. And it's a vision. You can imagine that. You could probably even see that in your mind. And that's a vision of what God says he's going to do with people whose heart are completely his. And the water is the metaphor for his presence, and his presence fills us, the temple, and it comes out of us, and it flows in to the lives and into this world, the desert places and the dead seas, and, and makes things live. But as we talk about the vision, that's the picture of it. The, what, do, what does it take for us to see that happen? Uh, what is... What are the things that should drive that, the purposes, if you will? Um, And and that's what we're going to talk about over these next three weeks. And in Matthew chapter 22, someone approached Jesus and and he said, look, I want to know, what what do you say are, are the greatest commandments? And one of the things that can be daunting about the Bible is you read all this and you go, well, what, what, what's the most important things here? What should I know? And several times God says this, he says the same thing 
over and over again as if to make it real easy for us. Look, I'll, I'll make it clear. I'll give, you, I'll give you a heads up. This is the most important thing. And he goes on to say this in Matthew chapter 22. And he says this. He goes, well, I got to get to the right chapter. Then we'll try it. Um, do I have the right chapter? Yeah? I'm going to read it off the screen because I'm totally lost. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, the most important commands in Scripture have to do with relationship. Ever think about that? Jesus says the most important command is relationship. He says love. Not rules, but love. He says love God and love people. And as you read through the New Testament, he explains even people and he gives a nuance to that. And he says there's two kinds of people. There are those people who are part of the family of God, who believe and follow Christ. And there are those people who God is chasing after and seeking to bring into his family who are not part of it or outside of it. And our love for either one should be the same. You could say it this way, and this is how our church just simply puts it, is that we believe we are called to glorify, to please God, right? We exist to glorify God by living up, in, and out. Real simple. Living up, our connection with God, living in, our connection with Christ's family or the church, and living out, connected to his mission and to those who Christ is reaching outside of his family. When Christ described his mission, he described it as, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the mission. It's rooted in love. And the, the thing about this is, when you start talking about relationship and you, you look at these commands here and what Christ says is the first and the second, it gets real fluid. It, it's not it's not a systematic thing. It's not something that can be boxed because it's fluid. It's relational. And, and we could be doing any one of these three things at the same time. Or we could do them all at the same time. We would always be doing the up at all times, and then we would pull in the in, or we would pull in the out, or do them all three together. And it's hard to put this in a box and say, oh, no, 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 this is the only thing I'm doing right now, and it's, it's more complex than that. So today we're going to talk about our relationship with God. How's your relationship with God this morning? Relationship. That's what I'm talking about. And before you answer that question, here's something to do. Because I think sometimes we try to answer it. Why don't you ask God? God, what do you say? How's our relationship doing this morning? God may speak to you this morning and tell you. He'll talk back in a good way, not in a bad way. He'll talk back. 
If it's a relationship that we have with God, then, then what does it look like to know him? What does it look like to connect with him? And, and I would say, first of all, if you're going to connect with God, there's this idea that uh, uh, God is this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, eternal, which means he never had a beginning and never had an end. He's infinite in his perfection. He's immutable. He's unchanging. I, I got in my mind that video. I think a lot of us have seen it, that uh, Samuel L. Lockridge, and I, I can't remember. I, uh, it's not Tony Evans, but it's a famous uh, African-American preacher doing that video. He's my king. He's entirely eternal. Something like that. I, sorry, I, I won't go on. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? He's unchanging. He's can't. Sorry, I won't. Keep it going. You look at these things, and that's not the only thing God is. If you go on and you study the word, God is not only all-powerful and all these things, infinite perfection. He's also the creator. With just a word, he spoke this universe into being. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the high king of heaven and earth, which means everyone will submit to him or will one day be forced to. And while he's in a war with Satan, I, I, I think sometimes we, we misunderstand this because Satan isn't an equal. He isn't like the, the yang to the yin. God just speaks the word and Satan is finished. He's transcendent. He's holy. Holiness is not only about purity, but it is, it is this idea of completely other, distinct, beyond anything else. He's glorious, brilliant, spectacular, awe-inspiring. Back in college, uh, my professor said, these, these things are, are the essence of God. Meaning, he doesn't share these things with anybody else. Nobody else is this. This is only God. I came across a comparison this past week out of a, or actually about a month ago, um, by a guy named Mark Batterson. He wrote a, a book called Circle Maker. I've, I've referenced it a couple times, but he talks about the idea that light travels at 168,000 miles a second, which means in a snap, light just went around the world six times. Right? That's crazy, right? Eight minutes ago, that light that we saw out there was at the sun, 96, 92, approximately million miles away. You go on, you think about it, one, million, one minute is 11 million miles, one day is 1.5 billion miles, one calendar year, which you could call then a light year, does that make sense, is 6 trillion miles. The end of the known universe is 15 billion, 6 trillion miles put together, right? 15 billion light years. How do you, you don't have numbers at that point. You start using letters. And that's where you lose me in math, when you're using Q's and E's and things. 
should never be part of the math system. <laughs> 15 billion miles. Listen to this verse. It says, For as high as the heavens, or as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What does it look like to be in relationship with a God who is 15 billion light years beyond us in his thinking and his ways? I'm assuming that we have enough self-awareness to realize those words don't describe us. What describes us is created, right? Subject, follower, weak, finite, limited, normal. And given who we are and given who he is, what are the words that come to mind when, it, when you start talking relationship? Worship? Glorify? Honor? Praise? Fear? good kind of fear, humility, gratitude. If God's God and you are you and I am I, who then is at the center of it all? Whose life does our life revolve around? Can you imagine any scenario where God isn't at the center? People may be in denial about it, but God is the center. And to be in relationship with him is realizing my life revolves around his. My story is really only one that's been grafted into his story. Are you coming here because of what you can get out of it or are you coming here simply to praise God because he deserves it? And is that enough for you this morning? Now God's great in that he takes even motives and wrong reasons we can come and even in our neediness he meets us and, and, and I just love that. Are you here to please God this morning because you love him and our relationship to him? I think when we bump up against a God who is 15 billion light years higher in our thinking, and that's just what we can measure, it's in those moments where we either cry out in desperation or, 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 or we just whisper in awe of who he is, just, just pull me into your story. Pull me close to you. But that's not all God is. That's his essence, but God has revealed himself as this triune God, Trinity. It's a word we don't often talk about. It's part of our theology. It's part of what the Bible teaches, that God is one being, three persons. Equal in power, different in administration. 
And you see throughout the, the Bible, you see God reveals himself as the Father. God the Father. It says he's the father of the prodigal children, the ones that have wandered away and, and just waits for them to come home and, and waits to throw the party for them. He's the father of the brokenhearted. He's the father of the discouraged. He's the father of all. He's our father, and his love is so intense, he sent his son to save us. And then he goes on, not only he takes us, or he gives us his son, even while we're enemies, in order that he can bring us into his family, adopt us as his children, give you this title of son of God or daughter of God. How do you relate to the Father. It's not, I think it's often said, I don't think it's necessarily this epiphany, but how our earthly fathers treat us often impacts how we relate to God the Father. Fortunately, God the Father is not like us earthly fathers. Unconditional love, perfect. Bible talks about how he disciplines his children, his sons and his daughters. He disciplines those he loves, corrects, rebukes. So how would you relate to him today? How does he say he wants you to relate to him today? Is it just wearing the mantle of a son or a daughter, not listening to the voices of the past, the condemning voices of the demonic realm that would destroy you and say that you are not these things God has said you are. Maybe it's treasuring his son. I don't, I don't know. What does it look like to love the Lord your father or God the father? God has also revealed himself to us as the Son, Jesus, the Messiah, Christ. Transcendent God became imminent, and we call him Emmanuel. It's the root words, the same thing, near. God is 15 billion light years beyond us, becomes us. Lays down his life for us, says... Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Goes on to say, you're my friends if you obey me. He doesn't call us friends. He says that. I, I don't call you. I no longer call you a servant because a servant does not know his master's business. This is John 15. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. So now we're in relationship with God, Jesus the Son, who says we are his friend. Transcendent, imminent, close, friend, brother. 
He goes on to say, you know, what does it mean to relate to me? If you love me, you will obey my commands. And he says, my commands this, love each other. He says it twice in John 15. Love each other. He, he pulls the commands in, and it's part of this whole idea that obedience is part of our expression of love. He has this other thing. He says, remain in me. Abide in me. He talks about a branch and a, a grapevine. He says the branch uh, and the vine and uh, somewhere right here where the, the vine connects to this, or the branch connects to the, the vine itself, there's this mystical union. You can see it from the outside, kind of, but uh, he says that you understand that connection of how a branch remains in the vine, you'll understand how to remain in me. How do you relate to him? Paul said in, in Romans 12, after he talked all about Christ, gave probably the most, I would say, the, the most robust, comprehensive explanation of Christ and his work in our lives. He said, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Is that how we relate to him? Is your life a living sacrifice? Jesus said the greatest act of love is to lay down your life. How deep is your love? Have you laid down your life for Christ? Not because it may be required of you, but because you love him. God's also revealed himself as, as God the Spirit, not it, but him. Spirit has personhood. He guides us, comforts us, convicts us of guilt. He lives within us. He convinces us of guilt regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. He gives us spiritual gifts to minister to people in the family of God, the in and, and the out of the family of God. How do you love the Spirit? Uh, Paul talks about be filled. He's, he talks about alcohol. And uh, he says, look, you know what it means to get drunk and be completely under influence of alcohol. I want you to get drunk with the Spirit. Seek that. Be completely under his influence so that you are not in control, but he is in control. And his love and his joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these things that he has shared with us and given to us in his image, we can now be. Being in relationship with the Holy Spirit is one where we're listening and he's leading us and he's prompting us and he's guiding us. Talk to that person, confess that sin. Stop, pray. Love that person. Worship me. How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? You know, one of the things we haven't talked about at all this morning in this message is the church service. The main reason being that living up is not that simplistic. 
If you're living up and connecting with God and it's get rele- it gets relegated to 75 minutes on one day of the week, you've missed what it means to live up. If you think it's just for 15 minutes on one day, you've missed what it means to live up. Living up with God is connected with him all the time, everywhere you go. It never stops. It covers all time. It covers all context. It, it covers everything we love to do and everything we hate to do. School's almost out. Right? Our careers, church, all, all of it's part of God and his story that he has and us in it and what it looks like to bring his name into all of this. But living up essentially is loving God. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This transcendent God who is above all things and this imminent God who has revealed himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm, I'm going to do this on the basis of love. I want you to love me. I'm not going to force you to do this. I'm going to invite you to do this. How's your love? The Bible talks about how our love can grow cold. Our love can be weakened and be strengthened. Our love can be choked out. We can walk away from the first love. These next few minutes, we're just going to spend in the presence of God worshiping him, connecting with him. And more than anything, to set the stage, as it were, for you to talk with him and for you to say, I love you. I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And maybe to say, God, how do you think that we're doing on this? How is our relationship? And let him lead your spirit during these times.